Hey, hey. Hey, how's it going? Great. Yay. Welcome to History of Haunting, everybody. I'm Carrie Hopper. And I'm Laura Ackerman. And that's all we say for the intro. Okay. I haven't had enough coffee. Um, so we're going to run through EVPs really, really quickly. Uh, the first EVP is we have merch. H-O-A-H-podcast.com slash shop. Go buy some. Uh, two, uh, next week we have a very special guest that we are going to be interviewing here on the show. And I'm very excited for this one. Uh, we will be joined by Jacqueline Nunez, who is the new owner of The Conjuring House. So we are going to talk with Jacqueline about all of the amazing things that she is doing at the house all of the new um, ways that you can experience the farmhouse she's got um, they call it uh, it's called gamping so it's kind of like it's not glamping it's gamping but it's kind of so there's like 10 person tents that you can like camp out on the property of the conjuring house and it's just it's a really it's a really wonderful wonderful time so we're talking to her about um everything conjuring house and um that I think those are my only EVPs. Jacqueline's episode is going to come out on a bit, a bit, um, Monday the twenty eighth. So that's all I got. What do you got? Literally nothing. Literally nothing. Okay, sounds good. Uh, you do have information for the actual show, though, right? Of course. Oh, good, good, good. Okay. You're like, no, I was just going to guess, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm making it up as I go. As we always do. Guys, today we're going to take you to Sloss Furnaces in Alabama. Laura, what are your sources? My sources today are slossfurnaces.com, frightfurnace.com, encyclopediaofalabama.org, and oh, Lady sorry. Dicks, theladydicks.com. <laughs> when, when Laura told me that was her source, I was like, really? Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's, it's the uh, best. Investig- like they, it's supposed to be for detective. Okay. Cool. Gotcha. Okay. Um, <laughs> not BBs. Watch your language. It's a family show. Actually, it's not, which is why we have viewer discretion warning at the beginning of our YouTube episodes and explicit content on everything else. So, uh, all right, go ahead and uh, tell us all about the history of Sloss Furnaces. This place is... I, I, I can't even imagine working at a place like this. Yes, pretty intense. So uh, this is in Birmingham, Alabama. As you said, it's a, I think at the end is about an 18 acre complex. No. Uh, but so it began uh, in the years following the Civil War. Um, railroad men, land developers, and speculators moved into Jones Valley to take advantage of the area's rich mineral resources. So all the ingredients needed to make iron lay within a 30-mile radius. Oh. So seams of iron ore stretched for 25 miles through Red Mountain, the southeastern boundary of Jones Valley. Um, to the north and west were abundant deposits of coal, uh, and then there was limestone, dolomite, and clay. They're mm-hmm. under the valley itself. Oh, right okay. There. So in 1871, uh, Southern entrepreneurs founded a new city called Birmingham, and began the systematic uh, exploitation of its minerals. Cool, as we do. <laughs> <laughs> so one of these men was one of these men was uh, Colonel James Withers Sloss. Okay. So he was a Northern Alabama merchant and a railroad man. 
So he actually played an important role in the founding of the city. So he convinced uh, the Ellen N Railroad to um, put the completion of the South and North Rail Line through the valley, um, through the site of the new town. So in 1880, having helped form the Pratt Coke and Coal Company, and that mined um, and sold Birmingham's first high-grade coking coal, he founded the Sloss Furnace Company, and two years later, blew in the second blast furnace in Birmingham. Jesus, okay. Right. It's a lot going on. There's so much going on. (laughs) Uh, So the construction of Sloss's new furnace uh, began in June of 81, when ground was broken on a 50-acre site that had been donated by a Leighton Land Company. Okay. So uh, Harry Hargraves, he was a European-born engineer, so he was in charge of construction. Uh, 60 feet high and 18 feet in diameter. So Sloss's new Whitwell stoves were the first of their type ever built in Birmingham. Okay. And were comparable to similar equipment that was used in the north. Hmm. Uh, Local observers were proud that much of the machinery used by Sloss's new furnace would be of Southern manufacture. Oh, cool. It included two blowing engines and 10 boilers, 30 feet long and 46 inches in diameter. So in April of 82, the furnaces went into blast. So after its first year of operations, the furnace had sold 24,000 tons of iron. Whoa. And at the 1883 Louisville Exposition, the company won a bronze medal for best pig iron. Pig iron. Yeah. So pig iron is a solid. I knew you were going to ask. Pig <laughs> iron is the solid form of the hot metal, and it's used as a raw material for iron steel making. Oh, okay. Okay. So they make the base of iron and then, <clears throat> you know, give it to steel manufacturers and they mold it into what the fuck ever. Gotcha. Okay. Right. So, and Coke is like... A drug. Coke, yeah. So, well, kind of, here's how I can describe it. So, Coke oh. is to coal what crack is to cocaine. So, it's basically heated up coal that removes, like, a lot of the other bullshit out of it. And then okay. it, um, it burns really hot and it doesn't release smoke once it's Coke. Now, turning coal into Coke... Is a whole smoky process. Yeah, it's a whole other thing. So okay, cool. Right. <laughs> you knew I was going to say something about that too. <laughs> I just like when I have the answers, so that I actually know what the well, kind of what the fuck I'm talking about. Mostly not, but you know, <laughs> fake it till so you make during, it, right? I mean, hey. So during the 1880s, as pig iron production in Alabama grew from seven, about seventy thousand. Um, to 706,000 gross tons. Jesus. Right. So no fewer than 19 blast furnaces would be built in Jefferson County alone. Whoa. So per Dr. W. David Lewis, and he's the author of Sloss Furnaces and the Rise of the Birmingham District, uh, Mm. Sloss Furnaces was born at a time when the, quote, doldrums of the post-war era had ended and the South was feeling a measure of confidence for the first time since the opening years of the Civil War, end quote. Okay. Right. So basically, you know, they're starting to do stuff down there again, feeling Yeah, they feeling needed they needed a kind of economy. Yeah, right. And so then- um Mr. Sloss retired in eighteen eighty six and he sold the company to a group of financiers who then expanded it like crazy. So um, in 1899, it became the Sloss Sheffield Steel and Iron, although it never actually made steel. 
So it acquired some additional furnaces and extensive mineral lands in northern Alabama, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and became the second largest merchant pig iron company in the Birmingham district. Wow. So the company assets included seven furnaces, 1,500 beehive coke ovens, 120,000 acres of coal and ore land. Jesus. Uh, right. Five Jefferson <sighs> County coal mines and two red ore mines. Brown ore mines and quarries in northern Birmingham. Fuck. So by World War One, Slash Sheffield was among the largest producers of pig iron in the world. Damn. Okay. Right. So <clears throat> hold on, I'm gonna take a little sip of my coffee since it's <laughs> wheat dry. Oh, wheat dry. Fast Ferguson here. Um, you are in Arizona <laughs> and in over, a hoodie. Yeah, I've been getting over a little bit of a cold. So. Um, in the late 30s, World War II expanded the market for iron and steel and created jobs for Birmingham workers. By 1941, when America entered the war, nearly half the force was employed by the iron and steel mining industries. So more than two-thirds of the industry's workers were African-American. Mm. Despite being dominated by black labor, the industrial workplace was segregated until the 60s. Of course it was. Segregated. Of course, yeah. Uh, workers at Sloth bathed in, sep- they bathed in separate bathhouses. They punched separate time clocks, and they had separate company picnics. Oh, Jesus. Uh, right. More important was the segregation of jobs. So the company operated as a hierarchy. At the top, there was all-white group of managers, chemists, accountants, and engineers. And at the bottom, uh, an all-black labor gang assisted until its demise in 1928 by the use of convict labor, which we discussed in a lot of episodes. So many Uh, episodes. (laughs) So many. Sloss utilized the convict leasing system um, only in its coal mines, so the shittiest jobs. As Lewis noted in Sloss Furnaces, convict labor, quote, convict labor, mostly black, was an important weapon in the district's economic warfare with northern manufacturing, end quote. So the most dangerous jobs went to the black people. Of course. Yeah. And in the North, there were unions and in the South, no unions. So they had some economic advantages, you know, in the South. Well, they just exploited the fuck out of everybody in the North. They couldn't do it. So Sloss employed large numbers of the convicts in its mines, including the Kohlberg mine, which was known for its deplorable conditions and for its high death rate. In 1890, 90 of a thousand prisoners died in the mines. Whoa. Right. So Sloss continued using convict labor um, after most of the other large companies ended the practice. So slavery had not died, but merely been transformed. Transformed. Yep. So in the middle of a racially, in the middle, a racially mixed group performed a variety of skilled and semi-skilled jobs. Even in the middle group, however, white workers held the higher paying, higher status title positions, like sure. stove tenders, boilermakers, carpenters, machinists. And black black workers were restricted to such helper roles as carpenter helper or machinist helper, blah, blah, blah. Right. So Sloss received its National Historic Landmark designation in 1981. And opened its gates in September of 83 as a museum of the city of Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Uh, its collection consists of the two 400-ton blast furnaces and, like, 40 other buildings. So, 
40 nothing jesus actually, <laughs> nothing actually remains of the original complex oh. the oldest building on the site now dates from 1902 and houses the eight steam driven blowing engines okay uh, so those are from like the 1900 early 19, 1900 1902 okay um, but they reflect you know the america's industrial revolution Sure, sure. I've got a couple of pictures. So here are pictures of some of the workers. Um, look at that. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine how freaking hot and just, I hate to be hot. This is my nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> this is my nightmare. Here's another couple um, of pictures that are, look at that. Uh -huh. That is utterly nuts. Um, it's really cool looking though, like all yeah. the yeah. old uh, machines. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the company made updates obviously through the 20s and 30s. Um, and since it closed, parts of the sites were actually adapted for use as a center for community and civic events. Why? I don't know. But, <laughs> and they do have an, they have an innovative program in metal arts. Oh, so okay. it hosts like concerts, festivals, conferences, and workshops and exhibitions of metal art. So they want to, you know, help people form new attachments to the old furnaces. Um, okay. It, you know, kind of keeps it part of the community. Sure. It, you know, has been for almost 100 years. A little over. Yeah. Uh, so Sloss is currently the only 12, 20th century, Jesus Christ, glass furnace in the <laughs> U.S. being preserved and interpreted as an as a historic industrial site really yeah that's interesting so the dramatic scale it is kind of and complexity of the plants industrial structure machines and tools it makes it like a unique contribution to the interpretation of 20th century iron making yeah um so it just serves as a reminder um for the people who worked in the industries um, and made some men wealthy. And then, you know, that's why called Birmingham is called the magic city. Um, oh. because of all the, um, opportunity from back that in the day. provided. Okay. Mm -hmm. Huh. All right. So let's talk about some of the unfortunate things that happened there. <laughs> so that's all good. Good. Ha ha. Great. That's all super, made lots of money. super, super um, great. And that wasn't even very nice. That was the, the nicest version of that. Yeah. So, do you want me to do the deaths or do you want, since you're. Oh, oh, you can if you want. You Okay. I can. I can do that. Do you want to talk about our friend Slag too? Um, bitty, 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 bitty. Let me see. Um, all right. So you talk about the deaths and I'll chime in. Yeah, forget. do that. There's. All right. Hang on. There's so, so many. Yeah, there so. are. There's so many. And we're going to cover every single one of them, guys. Settle in. Um, no, just kidding. Okay. Yeah, jump in if I'm leaving something cool out. Uh, okay. My sources are hauntedus.com, frightfurnace.com, ghostdoctor.com, wvtm13.com, and then Sloss Furnaces um, Historic Landmark Facebook page, uh, and slossfurnaces.com for the photos that we are showing in today's episode. So all that will be in the show notes as well. Um, so the exact number of people seriously injured or killed is unknown. However, um, 
<laughs> history did record um, the horrible deaths of a few of these individuals. So in late November 1882, two black laborers, Alec King and Bob Mayfield, were lowered on a platform inside the number one furnace where they were supposed to remove the deposits of coke and ore clinging to the inner walls. Worst job ever. Um, <laughs> using picks, the men were chipping away when suddenly a huge mass of congealed ore dislodged from the wall and plunged into the furnace, sending up clouds of gas and smoke. Choking uncontrollably from the toxic fumes, both men toppled from the platform and fell into the furnace. Into the melted coconut. Mm -mm, I hate it. Um... A few days later, another laborer met his death in the fire in the fiery furnace. Samuel Cunningham was a transient worker who had just arrived from Kentucky. And like many mill employees, the strain of performing extremely dangerous tasks under deplorable conditions um, dro drove people into a state of depression. So one day he walked over to the main blast furnace um, known as Alice number one. Big Alice, he climbed the hoist to the top of the stack and jumped into the roaring furnace as his co-workers looked on in horror. So one of the best known work-related deaths also produced the iron industry's most famous ghost story. So Theophilus Calvin Jowers was a white supervisor who left his father's plantation near Widowy after the Civil War to seek his fortune in the burgeoning iron industry of Jones Valley. So in the spring of 1887, he was offered the job of assistant foundryman at Alice Furnace Number no. 1 in Birmingham. The offer was too good to refuse because it enabled him, his wife, and their five children a chance to leave the stifling atmosphere of Oxmoor and move to Birmingham, which had become a bustling city. So at the time, Alice Number no. 1 had set a record in the South for producing 150 pigs of iron in a single day. And he realized when he took the job that he would be responsible for maintaining that same high level of productivity. So he had um, not worked at Alice Number no. 1 for very long before um, his wife's worst fears came true. So in September of 1887, Theophilius was directing a work team that had assumed the task of replacing the old bell with a new one. He had planned to hoist up the old bell and slowly lower it into the furnace to be melted down. He was holding the rope, which was to release the bell, when all at once he tripped, released his hold on the rope, and the enormous bell plunged into the molten iron and he fell on top of it. Within seconds, molten ore covered his body, reducing it to ashes almost instantaneously. His co-workers used a piece of sheet iron attached to a piece of gas pipe to re blah, 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 blah. retrieve Jowers' remains, which consisted of only his head, bowels, two hip bones, and a few ashes. That his bowels survived that is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um... So not long after he died, workers began reporting feeling surprisingly cold when they were on the bridge at Little Alice. Seconds later, they sensed that someone was standing nearby watching them. When they turned to look, nobody was there, of course. So not long after, workers preparing to charge the furnace claimed to have seen a figure walking around almost as if he was supervising. Over the years, stories continued to be told of a male apparition who strode through the flying sparks and searing heat with impunity. Mm. That would be so terrifying. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god um over the next few days workers took seriously theophilius's vow to his wife that quote as long as there's a furnace standing in this country i'll be there so in 1905 after alice number one was dismantled the ghost of jowers moved to alice number two for the next two decades, the spectral shape of the former assistant foundry man appeared in parts of the plant where no living human being could have survived the heat and flames. <laughs> so um, I did read when that was dismantled, he just moved to a different part of, of the building. So in the early 1900s, James Slag Wormwood was foreman of the graveyard shift, the period between sunset and sunrise where a skeleton crew of nearly 150 workers toiled to keep the furnace fed. A skeleton crew of 150? How many people were there during the day? Like thousands? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> during the cycling summer. Yeah. yeah. I don't know thousands, but yeah, a lot. Um, during the stifling summer months, temperatures throughout the plant would reach more than 120 degrees, which you currently know how that feels because you live in Arizona. Um, like fucking nothing. Listen, that's a <laughs> fall day. Um, lack of sleep, the heat, and low visibility made working the furnace literally a living hell. And the, only the poorest of workers desperate for employment would work it. So these workers, mostly recently arrived immigrants, were forced to live in, cramp live in cramped housing located on the furnace site and could be forced at any moment to return to work. That's fucked up. Um, to impress his supervisors, Wormwood would make his workers take dangerous risks, forcing them to speed up production. During his reign, his reign, <laughs> 47 workers lost their lives, 10 times more than any other shift in the history of the furnace. So countless others lost their ability to work due to accidents, mishaps, and even a recorded explosion in the small blowing engine house in 1888 that left six workers blind. Could you imagine? Oh God, I can't think of a worse way to be blinded except having your eyes like plucked out of your head like Kill Bill. Um, mm. Now I need to rub my eyes. Jesus. Okay. Uh, yep, they're still there. Okay, we're good. Okay. <laughs> I'm fine. Okay. An untold number of workers suffered debilitating injuries that forced them to quit their jobs. So in October of 1906, James Slag Wormwood lost his footing at the top of the highest, the highest blast furnace known as Big Alice and plummeted into a pool of melted iron ore. His body was incinerated instantly. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Um, it was reported that Slag must have become dizzy from the methane gas created by the furnace and lost his balance. But Slag had never set foot on top of the furnace during his years of employment. So because of that, they thought it was weird that he'd be up there. And a lot of people thought that the workers had finally had enough of his slave driving and fed him into the furnace but no workers were ever brought to trial <laughs> jesus so sloss in industries soon discontinued the graveyard shift citing numerous reports of accidents and strange incidents that decreased steel production so the legend of slag grew every year after his disappearance and death workers complained of an unnatural presence they increasingly encountered throughout the work site 
Night Watchman in 1926 sustained injuries after being pushed from behind and told angrily by a deep voice to get back to work. The man, upon searching the grounds, could find no sign of any other living person. Now, in 1947, three supervisors turned up missing. They were eventually found unconscious and locked in the small boiler room in the southeastern part of the plant. None of the three of them could explain exactly what happened to them, and they all, but they all agreed they were approached by a man whose skin appeared to be badly burned and who angrily shouted at them to, quote, push some steel. Okay, but does did you envision Freddy Krueger? Uh-uh. Well, yeah, I actually I did. But also I kind of envisioned his face like glowing, like, you know, like mm. cinders. Could you imagine? These stories just make me think of like Freddy Krueger. Right. Did did you picture the knife fingers? I mean, a little. They could yeah. Maybe it's pig iron. Maybe we didn't know. Maybe, yeah, awesome. maybe it got lodged in his hand. Maybe that's where Freddie came from. Okay. Um, <laughs> we I'm solved not, that. It's not, but. <laughs> no? Okay. I was like, we solved that riddle. Or, no, we didn't. Um, probably the most horrifying tale occurred in 1971, when the night before the plant closed, Samuel Blumenthal, um, who was the Sloss Night Watchman, was nostalgically taking a last look around and found him safe him safe nope found himself face to face with quote the most frightening thing he had ever seen he described it simply as evil a half man half demon who tried to push him up the stairs when blumenthal refused the thing began to beat on him with its fists Upon examination by Dr. Jack Barlow, Blumenthal was found covered with intense burns and he died before ever returning to Sloss. So there have been more than 100 reports of suspected paranormal activity at Sloss furnaces um, in, recorded in Birmingham police records. From minor incidents such as steam whistles apparently blowing by themselves to major sightings to, and then the rare physical assaults. It's interesting to note that the majority of these reports happened in the months of September and October at night during the old graveyard shift. So some merely dismissed the occurrences as Halloween hoaxes. Others believed it's the restless spirit um, in, you know, of the sadistic form and slag. So... <laughs> In 1988, a study was conducted by the Center for Paranormal Events in St. Petersburg, Florida on Sloss Furnaces. While no events out of the ordinary occurred during the study, which occurred in May, many of the team members, including two psychics, claimed that due to the violent disregard for loss, um, d violent disregard for and loss of life, Sloss Furnaces should be considered, quote, a location rife with restless souls. So... Despite its reputation as being one of the most haunted places in the United States, no formal investigations were conducted until 2005 when Ghost Chasers, um, Ghost Chasers International, a group from Kentucky, became the first group to visit the mill. So they said that more paranormal activity was uh, detected down in a man-made waterway that served as a cooling system. The waterway is between two and three feet wide and approximately eight inches deep. Um... 
One of their lead investigators said, when we were down there, we could hear whispering behind us. It was very clear. Unfortunately, the group was unable to record the sounds because of the noise made by the rushing water. But Mm -hmm. as we all know, water is a great conduit of electricity and therefore something or um, energy and therefore something that spirits can use to manifest or speak or what have you. Um, And then you say limestone was part of the whole land area. Yep, that's another one. So they also picked up some startling EVPs that night. One of them is interesting. Uh, One of them was the voice of a little girl who said, hi, daddy, here's your lunch. So they were really confused. Uh huh. They were really confused because they wondered why they were picking up a child in an old factory. But um, one of the tour guides from the um, museum cleared uh, cleared up the mystery. Apparently, like you said, the workers had homes right on the property, and that's where they were, and that's where they were living. Um, there were 500 workers on a shift, and the children and their mothers would bring their lunches to them during their lunch break and dinner break. Isn't that creepy? Mm-hmm. Hi, Daddy. Here's your lunch. Ugh. Um. So another paranormal research group, uh, the uh, it, Ghoul from Alabama, um, G-H-O-U-L, it's all an acronym like BOSS Paranormal is. Um, they investigated the furnaces during the day in May of 2008. So um, the director of the group said that the members were exploring the main tunnel when he asked the question, can you give us a sign of your presence? And about two minutes after he asked that question, someone or something threw a handful of pebbles at him. They hit me in the back of the leg, he said. We were recording EVPs at the time, and when we listened to the tape, we heard the pebbles being picked up and thrown at me. But we also heard two big rocks hitting the wall. We hadn't heard the sound of the big rocks until we listened to the recording. So another team that was walking through the same tunnel was taking photographs at the end of the tunnel. And one of the members caught what seems to be the shadowy image of a little girl. She's holding her arm out like she's carrying something, but you don't see anything in her hand. And it was definitely a full bodied apparition. Hmm. That's so sad. Why children haunting a furnace? Mm, I don't love it. Um, So the leader, the, leader of the group said that he and his members stayed in the old plant from 6 p.m. until 3 a.m. One of their teams was in the boiler room taking pictures, and when they reviewed the pictures later on, they caught the image of a man on fire in two photographs. One picture shows a profile view of the man, and in the other, he's staring directly at the camera. I can't think of anything more terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, uh, a team that was working around one of the towers took another photograph and um, they captured a black figure working at a panel. So while this group was doing EVP work down in the waterway, one of the members of the group aimed his camera over the leader's um, shoulder and -hmm. took a photograph of the head and shoulders of a man hovering over the water in the waterway. Um, Yeah, super creeps. So Sloss was studied once again by paranormal by the paranormal team of Fox's Scariest Places, who um, concluded that it was one of the highest um, ratings of unnatural energy they had ever encountered. 
Now, in 2002, a skeptical um, investigative team from CBS affiliate WJTV investigated the site, and they left frazzled and were convinced that Sloss was haunted, capturing amazing footage that you can see on their site, and that's um, the source that I listed, uh, WTVM13.com. Where am I? I just scrolled up, and that was stupid. I've lost my place. Please hold the line. Um, shit, where'd it go? Okay, here we are. Um, sorry, guys. <laughs> so in addition, another investigation was held in 2003 by the Alabama Foundation for Paranormal Research, who quoted that um, there is no doubt SLOSS is a hot spot for paranormal activity. During our investigations, we pulled data that confirms through scientific methods and approach that energies are present that cannot be explained. SLOSS is one of the most paranormally active places our team has investigated. So a member of their crew... Um, uh, something happened to a member of their crew and, um, and the, the Sloss tour group crew, Josh Thomas, he'd worked at Sloss for many years. He suddenly caught fire after seeing a strange shape. Yeah. He suffered burns up and down his body and was taken to the hospital. He still could not recall what happened. Strangely enough, this was almost on the exact 32nd anniversary of the Samuel Blumenthal burn attack. That night, Watchmen I told you about from 1971. Mm-hmm. Say almost exactly on the anniversary. So, crazy part. is that crazy? Mm-hmm. So, in 2005, two psychic investigators from the TV show Airline, never heard of that one, uh, investigated the furnaces. In the middle of the taping, one of them began to spontaneously bleed from a cut that happened to appear in his right hand, halting the investigation, um, but not before camera crew caught images of spirits on their cameras around him. I don't love that. Cut open my hand? Uh Uh-uh. No, that's weird. I don't love it. Um, in two thousand and nine, unexplained I'm mystery. This sounds great. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> in a freaking fire retardant suit. See, I catch on fire. No, spontaneous I mean, human combustion at Sloss Furnaces. Let's just put it that way. No rayon, nothing like that. Um, so in 2009, the Unexplained Mystery Investigation team investigated Sloss and were shocked to capture spiritual shadows on film. And in 2012, the team from Ghost Adventures visited and were physically assaulted, again, caught on film. But that one, you know, they like to goad the spirit, so I'm not surprised they were physically attacked. Sue me, I don't care. Um, so in 2014, TAPS, Ghost Hunters, also visited Sloss Furnace and filmed absolutely phenomenal footage proving that there is a definite definitive spiritual activity at Sloss and have since returned to capture even more evidence. So um, I love taps. I love ghost hunters. That's what got me wanting to be a paranormal investigator. And if I was any kind of fan and or podcaster, I would let you know what episode and season you can find that on. But I didn't bother to look it up. So there's that. Sorry, Google, it, bitches. Google it, bitches. <laughs> um, <laughs> that needs to be a new on merch. <laughs> Google it, bitches. <laughs> I'm writing it down. Um, so here are some visitor stories. So frightfurnace.com um, has a ton of, um, you can go and write on their website about the um, 
things that you've experienced and they have a ton. So I wrote down some of the ones that I like the best. Now they did used to do a haunted house attraction at Sauce Furnaces. So a lot of these come from people that were experiencing the haunted house. The first one is from Kayla and she says, quote, I am not a believer in the paranormal. I did, however, attend the haunted walkthrough in October of last year. The walkthrough itself was fun. We went home after. Nothing out of the ordinary, right? The day after, my husband told me that there was a very dark colored bruise on the back of my arm in the shape of fingerprints. I do not bruise easily. It wasn't there before the walkthrough and I'm still I'm still not convinced I had a ghostly encounter, but there's a small part of me that has wondered ever since if maybe it could have been. Am I crazy? How else would you, how would you have gotten like to bruise the back of your arm in the shape of a handprint? Like that's, that's a grip. And if she didn't feel it, she didn't walk in anything like, I don't love that either. Um, Lindsay says that she was there in 2009, heard footsteps, even though I was the only person there. It was ice cold in the middle of summer. That sounds refreshing. Um, (laughs) uh, She said, I had multiple batteries die in my camera. As I was walking out, I had the back of my hair stand up um, and felt like somebody ran their hand through my hair. I don't like the living doing that. I can't stand that. Uh, When I got home, I looked over the photos. Right before the hair incident, there was a photo with a purple mist in it. That place freaks me out. I was like, purple mist? That's a new one, too. So now, uh, Jared writes, While walking through the Freight Furnace Tour, we entered a tunnel. I was last in line. It was very dark, and I found it very hard to see. I felt a warm breath on the back of my neck. (laughs) Out of fear of what kind of demonic actor was standing behind me, I jolted in a 180 degree motion to see what it was. But when I turned around, all my eyes came to, all I saw was darkness, but not pitch black darkness. I could see a little bit, but I saw nothing. There was no one behind me, no people, no monsters, nothing, just darkness. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Um, so Aaron writes, the title of his entry is What the Fuck? And I have to agree. So he says, so my wife and I stopped by Sunday with our dog. I wish I could post the pics we took. Who takes their dog? I know. That's what, seriously, especially when you find out what happened. So I know. I wish I could post the pics we took. My dog's face was crazy in all of the pictures. It doesn't even resemble her. Her eyes are white. Her facial markings look very strange. And even her mouth was so distorted looking. She has been lethargic all day today. What? Could, you know how scary that would be to take a picture of your cute little dog and have it be all like, like all crazy <laughs> in the photo? No. Uh, that would terrify me. Um, this next person, uh, their name was just Paranormal Investigator. So it could have been you, could have been me. Any of one of us could have written this. My paranormal group has been there and the blowing engine room is very haunted. A man was sucked under one of the wheels and was mangled to death. His energy is all over that room. Sounds like all all of him is all over that room. Anyway, sorry, that was gory. (laughs) We got touched. That's that's true. That guy? Um, Is that one of the guys you're going to talk about? There's one. Yeah, blower room number one. Yeah. Yeah, like... People got like scalded, scalded, scalded. I can't talk. I know it's too early. Um, and yeah, and then it, yeah, and also they're like, yeah, somebody got their clothes caught in there, they were, like pulled in by the suction or something, and then they were crushed. Uh-huh. Um, 
Yeah, there's like all kinds of accidents that, you know, would yeah. happen. Um, obviously with this kind of stuff around you, it's very easy. Like, you know, you don't have to pay attention for a second and you're... Let's you're take done, a look. For. Yeah, let's take a look at some of the clothing they had to wear. So here's that picture again. So I guess you can see like it... It almost looks like denim shirts, but I mean, they're kind of baggy. Like it would be very easy to get it caught in the gears of something. Right. And I think, is this more, this looks like a lot more modern. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, back in the day they were wearing like just whatever, like they right. had. So, you know, we're talking like overalls and whatever shirts, you know, like this right. is more like when it was regulated, you know, they probably had OSHA and shit. Like back in the day, there was none of that. <laughs> none so, of that. Uh, <laughs> there were no hard hats there were like i mean maybe hard hats but you know what i mean yeah there was just it was just fucking nothing yeah so yeah very easy to when you have no safety standards at at all Crap whatsoever and you're being yeah. rushed to do the job by that slag guy to just oh, keep yeah. producing more and more and more and more yeah mm -mm. don't love it um so the person says that the man that was sucked under one of the wheels and mangled to death, his energy is all over that room. They got touched, pushed, and even heard loud banging noises when we went into that area and there was nothing there. Um, the medium in our group said that there were many restless spirits there who were attached to the property. Um, she was able to talk to one of them who stated his hand had been cut by the oar. Like that one guy whose hand just oh, started bleeding. Started bleeding. Crazy, right? I know. Don't love it. Um, Corey writes, quote, I used to work for Sloss, and through the month we saw several things that was just straight up unnatural. One night we unexplainably lost power in most of the woods. These are his words, guys. Not mine. Um, <laughs> I was like, that's not the, uh, inexplicably. Sorry. Uh, sorry, Corey. <laughs> if you're listening, I'm sure he is. Uh, <laughs> Uh, one night we unexplainably lost power in most of the woods trail for over an hour and no one could figure out why this only happened after a customer taunted and called for slag in my scene. So he was, I guess, an actor at the haunted house. Um, though several times we saw figures moving around through the factory in the woods after hours. Uh, uh, <laughs> no. One night walking through the tunnels and the basement at Sloss, something grabbed my shoulder and pushed me from behind. We also heard on several occasions voices and strange sounds coming from places that were blocked off to the public. I can tell you for sure that Sloss is haunted and is one. it is one of the strangest places in Birmingham and possibly in the country. It's amazing if you can go out there between midnight and 3 a.m. Um, it's an experience like none other. Just be prepared for what you see, hear, and experience out there. It's dangerous and terrifying, but wonderful in a creepy kind of way. <laughs> and I'm like, let's go. <laughs> Come on, let's do it. So Raquel says, I literally love this. I'll start by saying I have attended Sloss Fests, one fright furnace, and spent an afternoon casually hula hooping and exploring the site with a friend. And I'm like, hula hooping? <laughs> sure, why she not? Like I mean, I might, this already. might actually be EKB. Um, so, 
um, before I'd ever, she explored the site before she'd ever read the depth of the history on the furnaces. With that said, at 2016 Sloss Fest, I was standing in line at the taco food truck with a new friend I'd met at the festival. I was like, look, hula hooping in taco trucks. She is part of our tribe. Um, (laughs) So they were standing there um, at the taco truck when both of us witnessed the guy in front of us placing um, his food order. Uh, he they watched him get pick in all caps pickpocketed by a ghost. The money from his pocket flew out and he turned back to us and asked, did you just reach into my pocket? I told him I saw a ghost, but I was pretty in shock to believe it myself. But reading that most of the workers who live there were also really poor and desperate pickpocketing a guy at a music fest as a ghost doesn't seem so impossible. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine that's like the thinnest explanation? No, it was a ghost. Right. Right. <laughs> and even like, uh-huh. right. And even if, even if, I mean, I left for argument's sake, let's say it's true. Like you had to know that she was like, I swear to God, it was a ghost. I swear <laughs> right. to God. What hula hoop? What are you talking about? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. So Jesse writes, me and my friends were wandering around Sloss Furnace for a photo shoot when my friend told me to turn around and I thought it was for the photos. So I turned around and saw a couple of little kids playing on the bars at the furnace. We looked at each other and then we looked back at the kids. One kid fell and faded into the ground. We screamed and ran to her car. I'm never going to flow Sloss for a photography project again. <laughs> Oh, my God. This person's name is just Worker. They write, quote, I work at Sloss and it's not bad if you don't know the history. But if you do know the ghosts are there, especially Slag the manager, the top dog or whatever you want to call him and his workers, uh, Sloss is haunted. And me and my friend were walking there at night, getting ready to work in the haunted house. So we were walking in. We were hit in the back and we heard a voice behind us say we were lazy and that we would get no break. So we think Slack thought we were workers and he thinks he still works there. Oh, shit. Right? God, micromanaging from beyond the grave. That's horrible. Right? <laughs> Jesus. So Ashley... It never ends. Never, ever. <laughs> Ashley writes, me and my best friend went to Sloss Furnace in 08 and it was fun but scary. Um, me and my friend were walking around, but it wasn't Halloween yet. So we just went there to, to take a look around. And I was looking up at Big Alice and I saw a man. He was just walking along the, the bridge. And then I saw he was about to jump. So I moved. And then right after that, I saw he disappeared. It was crazy. So we walked around some more and I saw my friend looking at something. And I asked what she was looking at. And she couldn't talk. So I looked at where she was looking and it was just a little girl standing there she started to walk right toward us i just wanted to run out of there and then i turned around and she was gone uh that was when my friend and i left and that was the last time we were there (laughs) the idea of a child yeah um Mark writes around 2002 or 2003, I accompanied a group of ghost hunters to Sloss. It was a suitably rainy night. I wandered off by myself with just a flashlight when I heard a small rattling following me. The flashlight showed a single empty soda can, which rolled right up to my feet and then stopped. It wouldn't have been so bad, um, except I wasn't 
I was I wasn't standing on a fairly steep walkway, but what really freaked me out was when I stepped over the can, walked maybe 30 feet back down the hallway and heard the can begin to roll. So I turned around and once again, it came right back up to my feet and stopped before touching me. Way too far for the wind to be the only cause, so you tell me. What made that stupid can roll so far and follow me in two different directions? I don't know, but it made me leave rather quickly without saying goodbye to my friends. <laughs> he was chased out of the furnaces by a can. Right. He just Irish goodbye to everybody. I love that he didn't even warn them. He's just like, deuces, but like, right, I'm out. <laughs> There's a can and it's fucking coming for me. I got it. Probably terrified of cans on the ground from that point forward, no matter where in the world he is. So this, uh, let's see here, this last uh, visitors, um, one that I found that I thought was interesting was by JGUH254. And they write, okay, well, me and my BFF got a bunch of our friends to come with us last Friday to Sloss. None of them really watched the videos and stuff about it, but I did. When we were going through the catwalk in complete darkness, I swear I saw a man sitting on the floor. Then in the tunnel, he was sitting down again and he said, help me. My name is Jowers. Help me. But my friend pushed me on. I don't know if it was just me or what, but I know what I saw. His clothes were really old, bloody, burned and torn. He looked like um, he was the one that had been that had fallen into the iron and burned to death. But maybe that's just me. The Ophelius Jowers. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, investigators are not the only ones that encounter the ghosts of Sloss Furnaces these days. Workers and visitors often feel as if they are being watched by an invisible presence. People walking along the catwalk and the boiler during tours have reported a glowing humanoid shape lurking around. Ugh. Ron uh, Bates says that the most haunted building is the Blowing Engine Building. Um, it was built in 1902, and it is the oldest building still standing at Sloss Furnaces. Uh, workers who had set objects down in one part of the building have found them moved to another room later on. Doors open and close by themselves in the Blowing Engine Room, and um, people occasionally see the shape of a person out of the corners of their eyes, but it always vanishes when they turn around for a better look. Visitors uh, see the shadowy figure of a man all the time, but it could be one of our maintenance men. Um, so when you consider all of the pain and suffering that was endured by workers at Sloss Furnaces uh, for almost a century, the possibility that the old mill might be haunted is really not that far-fetched. So in September of 2022, Fright Furnaces, who puts on the haunted house, announced the ending of the annual haunted house attraction, stating, quote, we are sad to announce that the event Sloss Fright Furnace will no longer be produced. The producers, actors, technicians and special effects masters all want to sincerely thank you, our fans, for your unwavering support over the years. Sloss Furnaces, a National Historic Landmark, is run by a board affiliated with the city of Birmingham. We were told by that board that, quote, Fright Furnace in its current format is too disruptive to school tours and other operations. It was also pointed out to us that, quote, we do not consider the event well aligned with Sloss's mission or the image we wish to present. <laughs> They go on to say we were offered a small amount of days to do the event. It is obvious to even the casual observer that with an annual production budget of over, guess how much their production budget was? 100000 
five hundred thousand dollars jesus christ uh-huh that thing sounds awesome i know right <laughs> um of over five hundred thousand dollars that fewer days to recoup that investment made the continuation of this event impossible mm-hmm. so the rent the rent nope the event ran from 97 to 2019 brought more than 1 million horror fans to birmingham city center uh we were able to present this birmingham landmark to the nation in a creative and compelling way having the venue featured in at least 12 national television and cable broadcasts usa today as well as other national print and online publications it was a great run again we say thanks so that following Friday after Fright Furnace released that statement, the Sloss Furnace's National Historic Landmark Board released this statement. <laughs> Quote, the decision to close Fright Furnace was one made by the operators of the event. It was not a decision that was made by the city of Birmingham or the Sloss Furnace's National Historic Landmark Board. Approximately three years ago, Sloss Furnace's National Historic Landmark Board and the operators of Fright Furnace entered into negotiation regarding the continuance of Fright Furnace. The negotiations resulted in the operators of Fright Furnace deciding to pursue other alternatives to host their event. Drama. <laughs> well, I mean, that still fits with what they said, too. Exactly. Like, yeah. So that you didn't say that they couldn't. You said they had like, you know, you could have you could have it for three days or whatever. Right, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, in our no before you go, we haven't had a no before you go in a while. I'm going to try to get back to that. Um, they are open from Tuesday to Saturday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. They are closed Sundays and Mondays, uh, but you can go Tuesday to Saturday for a tour. They're located at 2032nd Street North in Birmingham, Alabama, 35222. And for more information and ticket pricing, you can contact them at 205-254-2025. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Sloss Furnaces. Woo-hoo. Crazy, right? Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's all I have. Um, it sounds terrifying. There are carry, the carry furnaces are similar, and they're just outside of Pittsburgh that I want to go to. So, yeah, I've got a lot of um, places I want to drag Jennifer's ass to. Because, you know. She'll love it, I'm sure. And she's used to it by now. Uh, do you have anything else to tell the, the peeps and the creeps? Nope. Nope. Nothing for the peeps and the creeps. Okay. So um, one thing I do want to say next week, we are interviewing Jacqueline Nunez. Laura, unfortunately, has to work. um, So she will not be joining us for that interview. Uh, Aaron Bush is actually going to step in um, because Aaron actually works for Jacqueline now as caretaker of the Conjuring House. So um, Laura, we're going to miss you. We wish you could be here um, for it. But yeah, uh, Sunday was the only day she was available. So... And that was the day that you work. So Laura will be marked absent um, from class next week. Yes. Um, She does have an excused absence, however. Uh, To that end, Laura, why don't you let everybody know where they can follow us? (laughs) So you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at HOAH Podcast. And also on the TikTok at HOAH Carrie and at HOAH co-host Laura. Yep. Uh, we are also on threads, uh, but I think like a lot, millions of other people were on it, but not, not many folks are doing anything with it. 
So we're also on threads, also at H-O-A-H podcast. Uh, that is it. Laura is off um, on her way to work. I have errands to run. I have work tonight. And uh, other than that, we love you guys. We hope you have a fabulous week. We will be back with a, uh, Jacqueline Nunez next week. And uh, I, I think that's it. That's yeah. it. That's it. That's all it. Okay, yeah. All right. Bye, guys. Uh, bye. What is it we say? Stay safe out there because you never know. Who? Or what? Is listening. Bye. Or glowing are going to burn you when they touch you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>